Again, thank you all for joining us this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. I'm still pumped. It's been a, uh, let's just say it's been an action-packed week. Uh, we've, had <laughs> we've had quite a lot going on, uh, the uh, most blessed of which has been the, the marriage of uh, Dale and Naomi. Uh, God has blessed them. Uh, with each other and the way I look at it is they they have become the answer to one another's prayer and so they have been a blessing in the kingdom of God they've been a blessing to people uh, for decades and in their and in their advanced age God has blessed them with one another it was an honor to uh, to do you guys's wedding and uh, many blessings uh, may the Lord bless you your latter end shall truly be greater than your former end. God has much in store for you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we love you and we bless you and we're here uh, for you as your church family. Hallelujah. I would have those of you who have your Bibles turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Uh, should be on the screen, uh, starting at the 24th verse, it'll be on the screen. For the rest of you, but um, I'll remind you last week we learned through the story of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth that no matter what stage of life you are in, the birth of Jesus is still good news for you. We had a couple last week that were a godly couple, the Bible says. Elizabeth was barren, and they prayed and prayed and prayed and believed God and continued to believe God for a child. And the fact that they could not have a child brought reproach upon them because people knew the commandment of God was to be fruitful and multiply. So that's a command of God that he did not answer that prayer means something must be wrong in your relationship with God, that God did not bestow such favor upon you. It made people question him, brought reproach on him. And despite all of that, they remained faithful to God. The days passed, the years passed, the decades passed, and that, that prayer was never answered all the way into their advanced years. When their bodies were able to produce a child, God didn't answer. But when they were well advanced in age and past the age of childbearing age, one day the angel Gabriel visited and told them, not only am I gonna, is God going to give you a child, the child you're going to have has a special purpose. He's going to prepare the way for the Lord. He's going to prepare people's hearts to receive the Messiah who is coming. And so the takeaway from that is, you know, God does what he's going to do in his own time, right? And there are times when we're believing God for things. And we believed and we prayed and we believed and we prayed in, when in our minds it was the season for those things to happen. But when that season ended, all hope was lost, and we thought, oh, oh, well, God said, no, it's too late. Can't happen. It's impossible. It's a definite no 
from God. God waited till the time that it was impossible to give them the desire of their hearts. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Amen? So you may be in a season of your life. Last week I was saying you may be in a season of your life where you have come to the belief that what used to be possible isn't possible anymore. I want you to take heart and take courage through Elizabeth and Zechariah's story. Don't put God in that box because God is not limited by your timeline. He's not limited by natural circumstances. God will accomplish his will. And like that song says, great is your faithfulness to me. What God promised he will fulfill. I didn't hear any amen, so I'll amen myself. Amen. <laughs> Today, again, uh, the, the series is the characters of Christmas. And we started off with Zechariah and Elizabeth, then we make our way to Mary and Joseph this week, where we see that God, where well, we will see that God uses the weak to shame the strong. He uses the weak things in this world to confound the wise and the strong and the powerful. God doesn't need our influence. He doesn't need our strength. He doesn't need our position. He doesn't need the powerful in order for him to affect his plan, his purposes, and his will. Are you hearing me? And we see that displayed in the story of the birth of Christ. And so starting in the 24th verse, it says, after these days, his, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, conceived, continuing from last week. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Verse 26, in the sixth month, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Seems innocent enough. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So far, so good. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Say that, say that line with me. 
for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Imagine, if you will, this is a culture. Well, let me back up here. I want you to really appreciate what she's saying yes to. She's betrothed to a man. She's a young woman, betrothed or engaged to a man. She's pledged to a man. And before they've officially become married, where the, where the, um, where they could come together as husband and wife sexually, before they get to that point, Gabriel shows up and tells her that she has been chosen by God to bear the Messiah. I'm sure that God has a purpose for that. That she's been chosen by God to bear the Messiah. Now, she's pledged to a man, but she's just been told, if she says yes to this, you're going to be pregnant. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to conceive the Holy One, and you are not going to have been married. Now, you're in a culture where an unmarried woman who ends up pregnant could be stoned to death. I want you to know what she's saying yes to. They know in that culture, they know in that community that they have not sealed the deal yet. They're not married yet. She comes up pregnant. There's going to be questions and there's going to be consequences. And yet it's a sacrifice of obedience for her to say yes because she's saying yes to scrutiny. She's saying yes to reproach. If she does not get stoned to death, she's going to be looked at sideways for the rest of her life. And yet, knowing all of that, she has a question, how will it be? And ladies, just think for a moment here, if the angel's answer to her would have been good enough for you. Because as a guy, I'm just speaking as a guy, that sounds crazy to me. That I, I, I would not have been willing to sign off for that. And um, God would have had to give me special grace. But she chose by saying, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You talk about, you know, you talk about faith. That's a sacrificial obedience that is rooted in faith. That's faith. What you've called me to is going to be hard. What you called me to is going to be some level of sacrifice to my reputation. What you've called me to is something that is beyond what ought to be. It's beyond my capacity. 
to understand. And yet she still says, I'm your servant. I'm the servant of the Lord. If this is God's will, let it be unto me according to your will. It's easy to say yes to God when he's telling you to do what you want to do. It's easy to say yes to God when what he is giving you is the desire of your heart. This woman didn't ask for this. This call of God was thrust upon her. And in that moment, she just resolved, God, I'm yours. This is your will. I say yes. That's an example for all of us for how we ought to posture ourselves before God and, and be willing to go to dare tread where God wants us to tread, even if it's ground that is unfamiliar to us, even if it requires the sacrifice of obedience. Are you hearing me? So she said yes despite all of that. But I want to also give a shout out to her, her husband-to-be, Joseph. Because I want to consider on his side. He's betrothed to this woman. He's a godly man. She's a godly woman. Somehow he finds out that somehow his betrothed is pregnant. And he knows it's not his. A lot of guys that would have just been done with her right away. They would have judged that she was unfaithful. And they would have done everything they could to drag her name in the mud and done whatever they could to have to cost her reputationally and in any other way that they can think of. But as we read this, I want you to really get a picture of the heart and the character of this man who has just found out that his beloved is pregnant and it's not his baby. Matthew chapter 1. I'll start at the 18th verse. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's the problem. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he wasn't going to go forward with the marriage, but he also wasn't going to put her to public shame and scrutiny. If he was just thinking about himself, and the consequences to himself, he would have had no problem justifying taking every pound of flesh that he could and making her pay for what she had done to him. But he's a man of God, and he wants to be just, and there's no reason he feels to go that far. But he was going to divorce her quietly. But verse 20 comes along and says, As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he had a choice. He had a choice. Is he going to obey what God told him, or is he going to do what his flesh wants to do? Is he going to give her some kind of personal consequence, or is he going to make this sacrifice of obedience? Because the Lord has made it obvious. He interrupted his plans to divorce her quietly. He said, don't do it. I've got a call on your lives as a couple. My purpose and plan for you is to bring the Messiah into the world and to parent him. That is the amazing call I have on your life. And yes, I know there'll be questions. I know there'll be whispers. I know there'll be reproach. I, I, I know the way this is being done. It's a sacrifice for you to say yes to this. And yet I'm still asking you to say yes to this. He had a choice. And this is the choice that he made. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. See, I didn't want to, I wanted to give that its due. I didn't want to just gloss over that because it's important. A, a lot of what we deal with in life is a matter of choice. We focus on the things that are outside of our control, what people have done or didn't do and how that affected us, but we don't give the due attention to the choices that we make in life and how that affected the path that we're on and how that set in motion circumstances that we have to deal with. And, and, and included in those circumstances we brought upon ourselves, there are outside factors that are beyond our control, but we need to focus on what we can control. And we can control whether or not we say yes to God. We can control whether or not we choose to obey God or to obey the desires of the flesh. We can choose whether we're going to decide with truth or whether we're going to do so, go another way. And in this case, these two young people, this is a heavy decision for these young people. I want them, I want to hail them. I want to lift them up as an example to us to show that even when it's hard, it should be an easy choice for us to say yes to God. Are you hearing that today? So their yes gets high praise from me. Their yes to get high praise from all of us because the circumstances that they were within, uh, the circumstances they were within when they said yes, they were saying yes to a load.
So no matter how hard it is, don't give yourself a pass because the, de the decision is hard. Don't give yourself a pass because the circumstances are difficult. Remember who your God is. Remember how faithful he is. And as long as you've got the Lord, he's on your side, he's with you, he's calling you to this. We should be willing, as Mary and Joseph did, to say yes to God and give and make whatever sacrifice, whatever sacrifice of obedience that needs to be made, we need to be willing to make that. Amen. So, sacrifice of obedience, their strong faith are two qualities that I have already outlined for them. But I also want to encourage the young among us today. I want to highlight their youth. Their culture really emphasized honor and respect of the aged. Not so much for the young. And in our culture, you know, I was taught to respect my elders. And I believe it's right. We should respect our elders. Our elders are worthy of respect. They've lived a measure of life. Not all of them are the most honorable people in the world. But just as a general rule, we need to be respectful toward our elders, respectful toward our authority figures. So in addition to modeling strong faith for us, Mary and Joseph were young. But make no mistake, though they were likely considered too young for it in their culture, God chose Mary and Joseph to bring the Messiah into the world and parent him, like I said earlier. God did it in a way that required sacrificial obedience from them, and they embraced it and said yes. And they presented themselves as living sacrifices to God. You know, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, if y'all can put that up, please. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I submit to you that Joseph and Mary presented themselves as living sacrifices to God when they said, when she said, be it unto me, I am your servant. I say yes to you. And when Joseph did the same. I'm not going to belabor the point too much, but since I said I was addressing young people, 
I want y'all to see in this story these two characters that y'all can relate to. A young woman, a young man with a great call in their lives that's going to cost them something. Something of value. Every young person, I'm speaking to you this morning, every young person, I don't know the ages of all of you, and some of you are probably consider yourself young and you're not so young, and some of y'all, <laughs> you know who you are, but you're not too young for the call of God in your life. You're not too young to say yes to God. That's not something that should that you should wait until you're older and you've experienced life and and you've you've done some things and and you know when you're older and 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 more respectable and and all those other things. No, 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 no. The time to say yes to God is right now. Right? The time is now. And you don't have to worry about how people see you. Uh, older people used to be young people. We know where you're at. We know the challenges that you face. We know the difficulties. We know what it will cost you to say yes to God in your demographic. But we, we also identify those gems those jewels. We see things in you that you don't often see in yourself. You know what? Some of us are even able to give respect where it is due even to those who are younger than us. We can recognize the call of God in your life. And you know what? We will support it. We will champion it. We will we, we will lift you up. We will propel you forward. We'll do everything that we can because there's inspiration in seeing the next generation carrying the torch for God into, their, into that generation. It inspires us. It moves us. It gives us hope. So you can be an inspiration not only to your generation, but to those who came before you. So I will... Though they were young, their choice to give sacrificial obedience to God is worthy of respect. So young people, I give you the same words today that Paul gave young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. You're not too young to set the example. It doesn't mean you have to have a chip on your shoulder and be ready to, you know, put your guard up and be ready to fight. If you feel disrespected by an older person, it doesn't mean you got to disrespect back. You have the capacity and the responsibility to be an example. And if Mary and Joseph could do it as young people in their time, you can do it 
in your time. And God's grace and divine provision, his leading and guidance, and his older generation of believers will be there for you to help you along the way. Amen? What would Timothy be without a Paul? We're ready and able to be a Paul for you. Don't be afraid. Stand strong. Make the sacrifice of obedience for the Lord. He has a purpose and a plan for you in this day and time. I also want to point out, and I'll bring all this together in the end, I also want to point out something else about Mary and Joseph. Remember, they're called of God. The fact that they were so young, usually that's a strike right there. Oh, they're too young. We can't, we can't put them, we can't use them to accomplish great things for God because they're too young. They need a little seasoning. But they were also poor. And I won't get into, uh, I won't bore you and make y'all go to Leviticus, but if you want to, Leviticus chapter 12, you can reference it. But I will have you go to Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and 24. Mary and Joseph says, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And I think he didn't include this out of deference, but what Luke doesn't include in that is that actually, if you could afford it, the, the, the sacrifice should have been a lamb. But God in his mercy and grace said it uh, in the Leviticus chapter 12, the word of God says that if you could not afford a lamb, then you could offer a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. So we can tell by the offering that they made that they didn't have the means to afford to do the offering of the lamb. They made the offering that a poor person would offer. So they didn't have a lot of means. They were young. They were poor. And despite all that, they said yes to God, which brought reproach upon them. And it can twist your mind up trying to figure out why God does what he does. I am not even going to try to give you a why. Because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His wisdom is too grand for me. It's too grand for us. And there, that's why it comes down to, Lord, I'm laying down my right and de- my desire to want to understand. And I'm just going to put my trust in you and say yes to you. Because you're the one who knows the end from the beginning. You are the one who is wise beyond our comprehension. You
are the one that I will put my trust and my faith in. I don't need to know the why. I just need to know the one who is on the throne. Because he's true. He's faithful. Young, poor, I would say they probably didn't have much influence and connections. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have ended up in a, uh, Jesus probably wouldn't have ended up being born in a manger. I'm saying this to say they didn't have a lot going for them. And we're talking about the Messiah is about to be born. And who is the pick of the litter that God is going to choose in order to bring the Messiah into the world? There are palaces, there are dignitaries, there are strong and powerful and influential individuals, and yet God chooses this young, barely known couple with not a lot of assets, with not a lot going for them in the natural. And he chooses them. The one thing that they had going for them, the thing that really mattered was they knew their God. They were strong in faith, and they, would, and they proved to be willing to go where God told them to go, do what God told them to do, and let God use them how God wanted to use them. That's all they had going for them. And guess what? For God, that was enough. That was everything. See, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of assets. You don't have to have a lot of talents and skills and abilities. You just got to be available to God. If you're devoted to God and you're willing to let God lead you anywhere, do anything in you and through you, then you've got all you need in the eyes of God. You've got more than enough to accomplish great things in his name. Are you hearing me today? So I will, the last passage I want you to go to is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting at the 26th verse, and then I will wrap, I'll wrap the message up. Verse 27 in that passage says, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. But I want to start at the 26th verse. And I want you to personalize it as we're reading through it. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to, your, according to worldly standards. See, worldly standards ain't what matters, right? Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us 
wisdom from God. See, you don't have to be the wisest person. Jesus became wisdom from God for us and became to us wisdom from God, righteousness from God, and sanctification from God, and redemption from God, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, it's not about us. You know, it's, 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 really, it's really about God. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done it all. He's become for us all that we need so that he might get the glory. So he doesn't need our wisdom. He has enough to spare. We can't make ourselves righteous. It's all right. He did it for us. We couldn't justify ourselves. It's okay. In Christ, we become righteous and justified in him. He did it for us. We can't sanctify ourselves. He sanctifies us. He sanctifies us. Amen? Amen. And we couldn't redeem ourselves, but he redeemed us. So we do have reason to boast. We have cause to boast. We have a reason to praise, as we were saying earlier today. We have reason to worship and rejoice. We have the ability and the right to boast, but not in ourselves. Our boast is in the Lord. That he loves us so. That he favors us so. So when it comes to the characters of Christmas, as we saw uh, last week with the elderly and childless uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, we've continued with Mary in the story of Mary and Joseph today. There is a bit of a theme there because Zechariah and Elizabeth were weak. They were too weak to be able to have children. That's why they were praying to God that God would make it. She was barren. She was unable to do anything. That's weakness. That's not strong. Mary and Joseph, poor, young, didn't have a lot going for them. Looking at it from the worldly standpoint, that's weak. We got weak. We got one couple that was too old for the miracle to happen. Another couple that was too young. Poor. Not influential. I guess I'll say non-influencers because we live in a social media age where, you know, everybody wants to be influencers, right? Everybody wants to have a bunch of followers and, you know, want stuff to go viral. And, you know, it, it, social media makes it easier for people to have influence than it used to be. And in, in and of itself, it's not a bad thing unless people just want to be influencers to be influencers. They want influ be influencers to be celebrities, not really doing anything of note. But, you know, you can have a lot of influence with people and be about absolutely nothing. 
Influence doesn't mean jack squat, if I can say that in the house of the Lord. God could care less how much influence you have, and you can get lost in that. We can be chasing after influence and follows and likes and, and all these things and be empty and, and have an empty life that's not satisfied and fulfilled when the one thing, the one person we should be chasing after is God and the purpose and plan he has for our lives. That's where the true fulfillment of, uh, uh, within us lies, is in him and in him alone. Amen? Amen. So we have the weak God is using the weak, the poor, the non-influencers to bring about the Lord's entry into this world. We're not talking about presidents and prime ministers. We're not talking about ambassadors and dignitaries. These people are relative unknowns. And yet God chose them to bring in the Holy One of Israel, the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Are you kidding me? We're chasing after power and stuff because we think it gives us some standing, some station. It gives us significance. But I tell you, only true significance is, and only, only the true significance that's going to last is what we do for God. What Zechariah and Elizabeth and today Mary and Joseph did that will stand for eternity. Think about it. Thousands of years later, we're still telling their story. We're still reading their story. We're still inspired by their story. We're still propagating their story because their story is part of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there were people who were hailed in their day, people who were looked up to, people who have high station who have been forgotten in history. We don't even... Those of us, uh, people who are history majors, don't even want to read their stories. We only, we only do it because we had to, to get our grade. But when we hear the gospel and we hear the role that these people played in it, we're inspired. We're moved. Our salvation, they played a role in the salvation of God becoming a reality in our lives. So God used the weak, the poor, the non-influencers to bring about his entry into the world. And by doing so, he turned the whole system upside down. You know, you have a role to play in our time, in our day, in the Christmas story as well. You didn't have to make the hard choice to say yes to giving birth to the Lord. You didn't have to choose to marry 
Mary anyway. You know, you didn't have to, you know, you couldn't do what they did before the birth of the Lord. But now that he has been born and he has lived and he has died on the cross for our sins and he has risen again, there is a role for you to play. You know the gospel story. You know the characters. You know what God has done. And your role is to propagate that story. Your role is to share that gospel. Your, your role is to make him known to those who don't know them, those who don't have hope, those who are uh, overburdened in their sins and in the, the issues of life. They need to know that there is life more abundantly available for them. They, those who are lonely and feeling discarded and, 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 and unloved, they need to know there is one who not only loves them, but he loved them so much. He gave his only begotten son for them in order to redeem them that they might be with him forever. So I ask you, in what ways are you participating in this in your part of the Christmas story. Are you a participant? Don't be a spectator, participate. Don't be afraid if, if Mary and Joseph can both say yes, knowing the kind of reproach that it was gonna bring on them. And they said yes anyway, saying yes to a lifetime of reproach. Then it's time for us to say yes to God despite fears of how people might respond if we share the gospel. It's time for us to say yes and not be cowered by what our peers or our classmates or our coworkers might think if I shared the gospel. Your story has value. You may not know a lot of theology, but you know what God has done for you. At the very least, you can tell people that. And God can use that. So make that sacrifice of obedience to God. God gave us the commission to make disciples. He gave us commission to share the gospel. Let's give him that. Let's make that sacrifice of obedience and say yes to God and take the consequences that come. God will give us grace. God will help us through it and uh, grow us through it. And trust me, over time, you will experience the blessedness of leading someone to the Lord. And there is no, I don't know, there is no comparison to that. Um. I want to say uh, this in closing. Be on the lookout. I want you to be on the lookout where God is moving, but I want us to look at this story and and maybe let this story probably change your paradigm about how and where you look for God moving. You know, the, the, in the seat of the strong and the powerful, 
That's not where we need to be trying to see God move. God doesn't need uh, courthouses. He doesn't need white houses. He doesn't need houses of Congress. He doesn't need any of those things. He's not looking. He doesn't need the might and power of man to show what he can do. He could have done that to announce the arrival of Jesus. What he did was go, his work was in the relative unknown. Godly people, but just going about their day. Mary and Joseph, Ezekiel, I mean, Mary and Joseph, Zechariah and Elizabeth, shepherds in the field. That's where God moves. So if you want to see where God's moving, you probably want to go and see what he's doing among the poor. The non-influential, the weak, the relative unknowns. The people that don't look like they have much to offer, so they don't really get the attention. We want the people with the bank accounts. We want the people who have some some station in the community and so forth. We're looking sometimes for the wrong things, but the story of Christmas tells me that God shuns all that. He's looking for what we would call the least of these. He's looking for those that don't have a lot of assets. And if you will look hard enough, you'll find that God is moving amongst them still to this day. So be on the lookout for how God is moving among the poor, among the weak, among the unseen. Because he's moving. If we don't see it, we're looking in the wrong places. And, and, and be open to how God wants to use you to be a part of that movement. We don't need the powerful. We don't need the influencers to change the world. We need people. All we need is people to say yes to God to change the world. I'm going to ask you to stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, I just lift up your your sons and your daughters to you, O God, as we are going through the characters of Christmas and we've been learning that there's been a consistent theme, different situations, different age demographics, but Zechariah and Elizabeth had the same thing that Mary and Joseph had, and and that was a relationship with you. That was a resolve in their hearts that they're going to obey God, whatever the cost of that obedience might be. And that being clear in Scripture tells us clearly what matters most to you. it becomes obvious why you chose those people to be characters in the Christmas story. Oh God, help us to see and to prioritize 
how important being strong in our faith and trust of you is and the willingness to say yes to you even in difficult circumstances, even if it means obedience to you is a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice for Mary to say yes to be impregnated by baby Jesus. having not been with her husband yet. It was a sacrifice for Joseph to marry her anyway because you said so. So Lord, let us not be afraid of sacrifice, but let us take their cue and their example and find the inspiration to say, yes, God, even when there is the sacrifice of obedience, we will say yes because we are your servants. Convict us in that way, Lord. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts in such a way that we will arrive at that place where we will say yes to God no matter the circumstances. That we might be in our day, in our time, in our generation. Characters in the Christmas story ourselves in a way that exalts you and glorifies you, Lord, and brings others to faith in Christ. I lift up your sons and daughters to you, Lord. Thank you for their heart. Thank you for their sincere desire to walk with you and to be used by you. And you will use them, O oh God, as vessels of honor fit for your, for your purposes. And people will come to faith in Christ through them. I believe it with all my heart. And when that happens, we shall be careful to give you all the glory and the honor and the praise because we make our boast not in our abilities, we make our boast in you and what you have done. We give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.